Through innovation, academic excellence, and family-centered clinical care, Children's Mercy Kansas City is transforming outcomes for children around the world. Welcome to the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host, Dr. Michael Smith. Welcome to Transformational Pediatrics. I'm Dr. Michael Smith, and our topic is New Emerging Food Allergies. My guest is Dr. Chitra Dinakar. Dr. Dinakar is director of the Food Allergy Center and holds a faculty position as professor in the Department of Pediatrics for the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Dr. Dinakar, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, you know, we talk, we're going to talk about aller, food allergies, but let's first just get some basic definitions out of the way. Let's talk about the difference between food allergy and then the, and then a very common term that we're, we're hearing in the news and stuff, and that's food sensitivity. What's the difference? Great question. I actually uh, would like to throw in one more term, and that's sensitization, and I'll explain what they all are. So food, okay. so food sensitization is when somebody does an allergy test on you and the blood test comes back positive or you went in for uh, environmental allergy and somebody did skin testing to foods and it came back positive, that's called sensitization, which means your body is able to produce the allergy antibody to that particular food. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have a clinical allergy, which means when you eat the food, within minutes to two hours, you get hives, rash, vomiting, diarrhea, wheezing. That is what we call clinical allergy, where every time you eat the food, you get a response that is allergic in nature and is consistent. Food right. sensitivity is when, for some reason, your body just can't handle the food in the amounts that you're normally used to eating. It doesn't mean that small amounts of the food will cause a violent reaction in your body, which is what happens with an allergic type of response. It just means that instead of drinking two cups of milk, maybe all you can drink is half a cup of milk. And if you drink more than that, then you get more like intolerance symptoms. Does that help? And, and so, yeah. And so what we're going to focus on is this new emergent of true food allergy, meaning after you've been exposed, there's the immune response. And within a pretty short period of time, you definitely develop uh, symptoms and in, in, in some cases can be life-threatening. So that's what we're going to focus on. How big is this problem getting with food allergy? It's getting really big. Uh, right now, there are about 15 million people in the United States with food allergies, 9 million of them being adults and 6 million being children. Um, interestingly, of course, uh, the uh, incidence in children is higher. It's about 8% right now and really increasing rapidly. Um, for instance, a recent study in 2013 by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported a staggering 50% increase between 1997 and 2011. So it's really increasing very rapidly. Yeah, so so you, you've even called it the new epidemic, right? Right. That's what the term that people <laughs> have been using. Yeah, yeah. So wh why, okay, what's going on? What are, what are we doing what is it, our environment, the food, uh, preserve it? I mean, what, why do you think we're seeing such a dramatic increase? I know. That's really very puzzling and puzzling to all of us, including allergists, and is really the focus of a lot of research. But uh, a few common themes and patterns are emerging that is um, explaining some of this increase. 
The most popular one you may have heard of is called the hygiene hypothesis, which yeah. really mm-hmm. reflects the balance of our immune system in our body. So uh, as you can imagine, the main job of the immune system is to fight foreign terrorists like bacteria or viruses or bugs which are trying to invade us. Uh, and uh, instead, what is happening is we are be- getting more of an allergic response to normal things like foods or ragweed, and that's because our body is not getting exposed enough to the uh, bacteria and viruses that are invading us because they're a little too clean. In one sense, we are becoming so good about maintaining hygiene, which is great for fighting infections, but unfortunately is shifting our immune system to right. becoming more now, allergic. Now, Dr. Dinakar, yeah. so so that is that a direct reference then to the explosion of hand sanitizers, you know, I mean, almost everything we use to clean the kitchen now can kill just about anything. Is, is I mean, is, is that what we're referring to by the hygiene hypothesis? We're overusing some of those products? Is that what we're talking about? Yes, uh, it, it, it is a, a reflection of some of the sanitation uh, habits that we've uh, developed, which is very good for fighting infection. I still want to stress that. But, for instance, uh, even a recent study looked at uh, dishwashing versus hand-washing and uh, showed that the people who used uh, dishwashers tended to have more allergies because they were washing the dishes more, you know, it was more clean, but there were less germs there for the body to react to. So those are some uh, theories that are looking at the hygiene hypothesis. And then we are also wondering if uh, the common notion of delaying introduction of the highly allergenic foods, like, you know, the common practice of introducing peanut only after you're three years of age and, you know, egg after three years of age, maybe that is also not helpful. Maybe there's a window of time between four to nine months or four to 11 months when we should be introducing these foods. Uh, And that uh, was recently looked at by something called the LEAP study that I can be happy to elaborate on a little bit later. Well, 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 the the LEAP study was specific to the the peanut allergy, correct? Exactly. Though, uh, and you're absolutely right, the LEAP study looked at peanut mainly because peanut is one of our biggest reasons for anaphylactic reactions that are severe. And therefore, looking at uh, how can you prevent peanuts allergy from developing is a very important uh, question for all allergists and all of us. And and so, but in that study, what they did is they they exposed uh, at a younger age, within, what was it, within six months, mm-hmm. these infants to the peanut, and, and what they found later down the line was less allergies in those that received the peanut earlier. Is that, was that correct? Exactly. So this uh, looked at uh, introduction of peanuts between four to 11 months of age, and they had a protocol on how to introduce it. And they also chose the subjects carefully. It wasn't people uh, or children who were really likely to react. It was the ones with eczema or egg allergy who had mild uh, mild reactions on skin testing, what I was referring to as sensitization um, to the peanut. And then they uh, introduced them to a protocol of you know gradual introduction of peanut on a weekly basis regularly, though, and they demonstrated a successful reduction, like 11 to 25 percent absolute reduction uh, in, in, in the high-risk uh, patients or infants, which is a very important group to target. So that really led to a lot of encouragement that um, early introduction or there's a window of time uh, in, in a mm. child's life when you want to introduce these foods that actually may result in development of tolerance, 
which brings me back to your question of what are the other reasons for the increase. And one concept is that if you introduce the food through the oral route or through the mouth, that maybe you get tolerance. But if you happen to get exposed to it earlier on through the skin or through inhalation, uh, as the severe eczema case, if there's peanut uh, oil exposure or other things in, in, in the ointments they're using, maybe they are then tending to develop more peanut allergy. Maybe it's a type of food. You know, maybe roasting peanut is worse than boiling peanut, and we know that roasting is more allergenic. So just different concepts to explain uh, why this right. whole thing is increasing so much. And and so so here we have the, the increase in cases. Uh, we have different theories of why. Are, so are we, are we treating food allergies better today? What are some of the ways that you're uh, using? What are some of the options you're using to prevent and treat food allergies? Yeah, great question. There's no uh, question that uh, there is increased awareness of food allergies thanks to media and uh, people talking about it and organizations like the Food Allergy and Research Education and other uh, asthma allergy networks, many differently organizations spreading information. So there's definitely increased awareness, which is great. Once the allergy has developed, though, there is no treatment uh, right now, except uh, protocols are being developed uh, regarding uh, trying to help the patient get desensitized or develop tolerance. But before that, the main, primary mainstay of therapy uh, seems to be avoidance once the child has developed the allergy and then monitoring them over time to see if they outgrow the food allergy. So the good news is certain foods like milk and egg and soy and wheat, you can outgrow it. Certain foods like peanuts and tree nuts are more resistant and take longer time to be outgrown. But even for the peanut, for instance, we can just take that as an example. Once you've developed it and you're not the type who's tending to outgrow, uh, which the doctor can monitor by testing you over time, then there are some protocols uh, and studies that are occurring. And there are a couple of um, peanut desensitization protocols that are now FDA fast-tracked for approval uh, that are ongoing. These are now phase three studies. Uh, one involves a peanut patch on the skin, and the other involves uh, ingesting a special peanut powder extract that's patented by this company. And my center is, uh, is intending to participate in these trials, and we are hoping to offer that. Nice. Well, Dr. Denikar, I want to thank you for the, the work that you're doing, and I want to thank you for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Thanks for listening.